Hi everyone, welcome to the Understand the Bible podcast. The sermon today is on the final of the letters uh, to the churches in Revelation, the letter to the church in Laodicea. And this is Revelation chapter 3 verses 14 to 22. Uh, You might like to have a read of it before listening to the sermon. And today we are thinking about self-reliance and asking the question of ourselves, have we become self-reliant and what can we do about it? Just to let you know, I've just finished the series on the Ten Commandments on the YouTube channel. Uh, The links are down below if you'd like to have a look at that, or it's now available to do as a course on the Understand the Bible website. And please do have a look at that if that interests you. Maybe share it with someone who you think might appreciate it as well. And just to let you know that if you'd like to support Understand the Bible, you can become a Patreon, patreon.com slash understandthebible, and the links will be down in the description below. So thanks so much everyone for uh, joining me. I hope that you enjoy the sermon and benefit from it. And I'll see you again next week. So uh, something which you you may have encountered before as you've been trying to tell other people about, uh, about Jesus, telling them about Christianity, is apathy. And that's, I think, the hardest thing to cope with, isn't it, is apathy, when someone just seems to be completely indifferent to the gospel. And if they're, if they're um, you know, hostile, then at least you can sort of engage with that, can't you, and you can talk. But if, if they're just completely apathetic and indifferent, that's, I think that's the hardest thing to deal with and to break through. And I, I think that's the same in the church, isn't it? that apathy and indifference is one of the worst things really that that there is when it comes to the church, when people are just simply apathetic uh, towards God. They just don't care, really. They're just going through the motions. And that's something that God doesn't doesn't like. And that's what this this, uh, letter is talking about, this letter to Laodicea, the final letter um, of the seven in Revelation. Um, and I think there's a sense in this letter that it, is, it was put here because it is rounding up, if you like. It's kind of, you know, the roundup letter, you know, putting, putting something up, summing it all together. This is what I want to say, and this is what I'm going to say um, in the, the final one. So this is one which is really, um, I think, worth paying attention to, as uh, I think it, it really brings out you know, the things, the themes of the previous, uh, all of the previous letters. Um, now this is, um, it will help to know a little bit of context in Laodicea, but we'll come on to that in a minute, and um, particularly about the springs. You may have heard of this before, but I find that quite interesting. Um, but we'll, um, I'll come on to that in just a moment. Um, so Laodicea, um, it says, these are the words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation this is how the letter begins and so this letter it you know we said all the previous letters they drew their the the opening images from that vision of Christ that we looked at from Revelation chapter 1 whereas here it's slightly different actually this is taken from the title uh, chapter 1 verse 5 Jesus Christ who is the faithful witness the first one from the dead and the ruler of the kings of the earth so it's, it's slightly different. And I think it's, it's this sense, again, of, you know, summing up of uh, God's, you know, Christ's rule over all of creation. And we'll come back to that at the end. That's the emphasis, is, is Christ being the ruler. And uh, 
He says again, I know your deeds, as we've seen all the way through. I know that your deeds says that you are neither hot nor cold. I wish that you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. Apparently the word there that's translated spit you actually, I mean, they, the, the NIV tends to do this. They, they make it a bit more nice. It means more vomit. That's, that's what it's actually, the word actually means. Um, now, this is where we need to know a little bit of what was happening in Laodicea. So, um, often in these, in these sort of Roman cities, they would be a water supply. And you know the Romans were famous for building aqueducts, weren't they? I mean, that was the, you know, they're famous for it. And in Laodicea, the water in the city came from hot springs. But the, the water came from a little distance away. It had to be piped into the city. And it was, by the time it got to the city, it wasn't warm anymore. It was lukewarm. It was also quite minerally. It was full of calcium. So you imagine if you, you will, you know, in, your, in a particular in a hot country, if you, you have water which is not, you know, sort of lukewarm and minerally, it's not very pleasant, is it? And I can imagine, well imagine that, you know, when Jesus said, you know, I spit you out of my mouth, that's the reaction of a lot of people who tasted the water in Laodicea. Oh, that's horrible. You know, I'm going to spit it out. And what, what the point is, is that water that's hot or water that's cold has got a purpose. That hot water, you can use it to wash, you can, you know, it has a purpose, doesn't it? Cold water, again, refreshing, it's, you know, good to drink, it's important. But lukewarm water, it's not good for anything really, is it? And that's what Jesus is saying to them, that they, they're not bearing fruit. That's the, the point of what, they're, uh, what he's saying, that they are not good for anything. They're not really bearing any fruit. They're just there, but they're not really doing anything when it comes to, to bearing fruit for God. This isn't to say, and this is the way that some people read this passage, uh, which is, some people say, well, I prefer you just to be hot or cold. You know, I either prefer you to love God or, or not love God. That's not what Jesus is saying. He's actually saying, you know, both hot and cold have a purpose, but lukewarm doesn't. And, and that's the point that he's trying, uh, he's trying to make. Um, so what was the problem? What was causing them to be lukewarm? And what, um, what Jesus goes on to say in verse 17, he says, You say, I am rich, I have acquired wealth and do not need a thing. This was the problem that they, uh, Laodicea was, I mean, it wasn't the most wealthy town, but it was quite a wealthy kind of town and uh, it was quite prosperous. And the church, it seems, had just been deceived by this attitude. It was deceived by its own wealth. They didn't recognise that everything they had came from God and that they needed to depend on God for everything. As Jesus says, you do not realise that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind and naked. You do not recognise that you don't have anything apart from me. And that is the problem with, with wealth and with, with riches. And I wonder if we in the Western church have fallen into the same trap. 
because it's, we've had a very easy time of it, haven't we? For a long, old time in, in this country and in a lot of the Western world. You know, we, we don't really have to suffer much in the way of persecution. We have a, a bit and it's increasing, but still we have the freedom to meet, which are many other Christians around the world don't. We're not in fear of our lives. Uh, if, you, if you speak the gospel to a friend, you're not in danger of being brought before the courts generally. Um, this happen a little bit sometimes if you're in certain situations, as a doctor, for example. But all of that, we have freedom. And we have freedom to believe in Jesus. We have freedom to live and so on. And we've got quite a lot of stuff, haven't we? You know, we've got this church building, we've got St. John's. Um, and, you know, by and large, we are quite wealthy as a nation. And we have food, we have, you know, things on the supermarket shelves, all of that. So we don't really have hardship in our lives so much, do we? And I wonder if it's made us too self-reliant. And I think this is really worth spending a bit of time thinking about. You know, because so much of the time, I mean, I, I see this kind of thing as a church, church minister, um, but you might, see, you might see things as well. You know, there are so many programmes going on. How to, how to evangelise, how to do this. Oh, we'll start a new programme. We'll do, we'll do a new, um, you know, uh, outreach event or something. Is there that initial dependence on the Holy Spirit, dependence on prayer upon God? Do we turn to that or do we turn to the programmes first? And that's something which I think is, is a symptom of this problem. Glenn Scrivener, who is um, he's an evangelist, he's the um, head of the um, Speak Life organisation, and we've used some of their videos in church before, and um, uh, he's down in Eastbourne. But he said um, he was doing a mission, a university mission. He was doing three different universities. And he said the difference in them was marked. The, the first one, he said that there was a brief prayer meeting, I think, before each event and a few of the Christian Union turned up and he said not much happened there. The next one he went to, there was a bigger uh, prayer, prayer meeting, more of them turned up and, and more happened. And the final one, there was a big, all of the Christian Union got together to pray every day for the mission and he said there was a lot more response. The more prayer there was, the more that happened. The more they depended on God, the more he blessed them. And I just wonder if, you know, we say we depend on God, but do we act like we believe it? You know, do we believe, do we act like everything depends on God? Or do we still act like things depend on us and on our own, on our own, you know, um, skills and abilities and wealth and, uh, I don't know, whatever, connections, all of that kind of thing. It's a very easy trap to fall into especially when you're living in a wealthy era, a wealthy age, when we're not suffering persecution. Now, what's the solution to this? The solution is, uh, as Jesus says, verse 18, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire, white clothes and, and salve. Um, so the solution is Jesus is in recognising our need for Jesus and in coming to him recognising our own poverty and our need and just coming to him and asking for him for, for the things that only he can give. 
And it, it really made me think, actually, of the, uh, the Sermon on the Mount, the uh, Beatitudes. Matthew chapter 5, let me just read you a couple of them. Um, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Um, Blessed are the, are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. And then this one really struck me. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And it made me think the blessing of persecution. We don't often see it that way, do we? But it's, it makes us depend on God, doesn't it? That's why Jesus said it's a blessing to be persecuted and to go through hardship for the sake of Jesus. Because it, it turns our faith from being a kind of flabby, you know, kind of um, not very strong faith to actually being one where we, we have a stronger faith in God and we depend on him as we should. That's why persecution is a blessing in disguise. And this is why um, it says in verse 19, those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. And that's, again, something which is just worth reflecting on and thinking about, isn't it? Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. Why is, it, why is that a good thing? Because it, it turns us away from our self-reliance. It turns us away from our you know, reliance upon our own, the store of, of our own strength. And instead turns us to God, turns us to what we have in Jesus. That's why it's a good thing. And it should lead to our repentance. And then we have this, this famous verse here, verse 20. Here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. Now that's um, made famous by the Holman Hunt painting, The Light of the World. And I know many of you know that painting. It's the painting of Jesus standing at the door and knocking. And um, it's a very famous painting. But I think something which we often gloss over is the fact that it's, Jesus is writing here to a church we often use that verse as talking about people who are not Christian and you know, Jesus standing at the door and knocking. Well, actually, in the context, it's Jesus knocking at the door of the church. Now, sometimes I wonder if you know, Jesus turned up at every church today on a Sunday morning, would people recognise him? It's a, it's a question which is worth reflecting on again, isn't it? Um, Jesus says to anyone, and this is the amazing thing though, Jesus says to anyone, I'm knocking, if anyone, anyone hears my voice, I will come in and eat with them. And what Jesus says is that it's, it's never too late, whatever the mistakes of the past are, that it is never too late to turn to him, to repent, that every, every day we have is an opportunity. And particularly if we think that maybe we have done things wrong in the past maybe there are things to to repent of and I know that for all of us there are individual things to repent of um, but it's, there's always that opportunity isn't there to turn back and that's the the reason that Jesus Jesus sends these persecution this trouble it's that opportunity it's him knocking and saying I want to come in let me in and and turn to me and I can help you I will give you what you need if you turn to me and ask and the letter then closes 
with, um, as it began actually, to the one who's victorious, I'll give the right to sit with me on my throne, just as I was victorious and sat down with my father on his throne. So we started out with Jesus being the ruler of God's creation, and it finishes off with, you know, I'll give you the right to sit on that same throne as well. And that's the wonderful promise for those who, who hold fast, hold firm to Jesus, is actually it is being with him on the throne, ruling with him. And that's a, a wonderful promise, something we can, uh, we can look forward to. So let's, uh, let's just draw a few brief conclusions as we come to the end of the passage. One of the, the worst things that can happen actually in, in well I say in, in a church, not just church, in, in all sorts of ways, is to be too comfortable, to have things which are just too easy. Because when things are too easy, then we can become indifferent and lukewarm. We can stop trying, if you like, and just think, well, we've, we've made it. We don't have to worry. And that's why I think it's important to, to be asking ourselves the question, are we still bearing fruit? Or have we become self-reliant? Let me read you what Jesus says in John chapter 15. And these are words which um, I've thought a lot about over the past few years. John 15 verses 5 to 8. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burnt. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourself to be my disciples. The, the, the words which I've often come back to is just this, apart from me, you can do nothing. If we remain in Christ, and it's not a, a strenuous thing, it's just about remaining, holding on, holding firm to Jesus, praying to him, seeking him. If we remain in him, we'll bear fruit. But apart from him, we can do nothing. And that's a really important message to take on board, isn't it? That whatever we do in the Christian life, whatever good we accomplish, whatever uh, love we accomplish, whatever good works, at the end of the day, it's not, it's not us, but actually it is Christ working in us. Yet not I, but through Christ in me. So what's the place of hardship and suffering and persecution in all of this? C.S. Lewis used the phrase that it was God's megaphone to a deaf world, that pain, as he said, is God's megaphone. It's the way that God shouts uh, to us and says, you know, you need to think. You know, it's, it's God's way of knocking, if you like, Jesus' way of knocking when we experience that pain. And it's, if it's like that for us, how much more so for the world out there? And this is what I wanted to finish with, but it looks like this coming year is going to be a difficult year in all sorts of ways, isn't it? You know, they keep talking about the energy crisis, they talk about the cost of living crisis, the fuel, you know, it's um, uh, the supply chains. I was watching something yesterday about how um, supplies of fertilizer are now, because it's produced in Russia, you know, a third of the world's grain comes from Ukraine. And of course, you know, what, what happens if you can't get grain? You can't get bread. And it's, 
going to be a hard year, I think. And I think what we should be doing as, as a church is praying that God would use this hard times to actually bring many people to God as God's megaphone, that people would listen to, to the knocking of Jesus at the door and turn to him and say, you know, we, we can't be self-reliant, but actually we need you, we need Jesus, and, uh, and we need to seek him. And that's the case for, for us as a church, but also I think for our community. You know, do we hear the knocking of Jesus in these times? Well, let's pray and ask God that he would, uh, he would help us in this. Heavenly Father, we, uh, we are sorry for the times, Lord, that we have been self-reliant and for the ways that we do not uh, depend on you. And we pray that you would help us to uh, rely on and trust in you, knowing that you are trustworthy and knowing that apart from you, apart from Jesus, we can do nothing. And we pray, Lord, that over these coming months that uh, many in our community uh, would hear the knocking of the Lord Jesus and would open the door to him. And uh, we thank you, Lord, for that promise that uh, you do not abandon us, but that you do come to us and you do um, uh, seek to, to um, be reconciled. And uh, we pray, Lord, that many would hear uh, that door and open the door to you in these coming months and rely not on themselves, but on you who raised Jesus from the dead. So we pray these things in uh, Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.